I'm delighted to have a few moments with Alec Obama, Professor Alec Obama um, of um, Wolfson College, um, Oxford University, um, after the Textual 2 um, panel event um, to ask her some um, questions. Um, Alika, your first novel, <coughs> Screens Against the Sky, um, was written after you'd left your native South Africa for Oxford. And um, in your most recent novel, The Shouting in the Dark, um, the female protagonist finds strength to confront the past when she's left South Africa for Europe. So I wondered if you could um, comment on the significance of distance um, for remembrance and commemoration, um, distance both geographical and emotional. Um, well, thank you, thank you very much, Kate, for um, for the you know for for these events and the and the thoughtful thoughtfulness with which you've put them together. Distance. It is interesting. Um, it's not something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about because I try not to think about my fiction from a, a literary critical point of view. Um, although I do think about the fictions from other points of view, anthropological or psychological, um, but. Um, I, you know, I, I, it, it can't escape our notice that both The Shouting in the Dark and Screens Against the Sky are about young women immersed in a certain um, very difficult political situation and dealing with the consequences of, of that. Um, and doing so in part through, um, well, certainly... Ella in *The Shouting of the Dark* doing through so through um, through writing through through going back over um, a story or stories, um, but on this very interesting question of time, um, I think, and I'm partly informed by the discussions we've just had saying this. I do think that. Time is incredibly important. Um, the perspective of distance in in narrating or re-narrating difficult experience, simply because it gives not so much, um, you know, a, a kind of a clinical distance or anything like that. It gives it gives a, an amplitude. It gives a sort of scope. It allows one to see more perspectives on onto a situation um, so that thinking back over the contrast of screens as against the shouting in the dark um, the the protagonist in screens is much more immersed mm. you know, the, the protagonist in the shouting in the dark is is um, I, I would like to think more in control of the stories that she's both hearing and recording and that and that she's involved in telling. Yes, I, I see. Um, I wonder whether, um, in terms of your distance, could you have written um, screens when you were still in South Africa? No, I don't think so. No, no, mm. not, not possible. Um, that, that's partly because um, I, I was, in the 1980s, very politically involved. So I was not right up against the rock face, but I mean, I was, as it were, inside the situation. So, um, you know, there wouldn't have been the, the space, the seclusion, the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the peace and quiet to, to write that story. 
I'm minded of how many activists come to write their experiences when they were in prison or in detention or, um, you know, and, and I'm minded also, mentioned him earlier too, of um, Mandela's, you know, long time in political um, imprisonment and how that allowed him to get not 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 so much again distance on the event but that sense of amplitude and scope the to gather together different perspectives and that's that's simply not possible when you're I think right right inside yeah. the situation yeah I get that impression so I, w I was going to ask you about um, Nelson Mandela because um, you've you've written on him you've mm. written a um, biography um, and you've talked a little bit about about this this morning um, what has your research and writing about him taught you about the language of reconciliation and reconstruction, and I understand it might not be a, a verbal language. Mm. Um, I think the, the language of reconciliation, um, and I'm, I'm trying to bracket what we think about reconciliation now, the ethics of it, um, whether in the context that we know about Rwanda or South Africa or, or what have you, whether it is it has been a successful project or an unfinished project. Um, the really important thing about reconciliation, and this is why narrative stories, um, verbal testimony is so important, um, is to, to some extent, see the, the situation from the other, learn to see the situation from the other's point of view. Um, what might have informed um, you know, wh why they did what they did? What 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 was that? Um, and um, you know, and 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 hearing what people have to say about about um, why they did what they did um, is is part of that process of learning to to you know to of finding. Finding a place um, where we can agree, we, we we kind of invested in it in that place, but in different ways, but in ways that we are able to share and to, you know, to 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 look at from 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 different perspectives. I always go back to Mandela, on on Robben Island being um, an avid chess player, but a very very slow player because he he made a move a day. I mean, they they were only allowed contact for one hour of the 24 with one another so playing chess was a very small part of you know that his time there but but he you know he was even when it became possible to to play chess for longer he would he would he was very slow and deliberate because and, and the important thing is he walked around the board so that he could see the, the conflict situation from different points of view so that, that's fascinating, and it leads me into um, a very powerful scene. I think it's my um, favourite scene um, from um, The Shouting in the Dark, in which Ella, um, who's the young female protagonist, um, has gone with her parents and the dog to walk in the pine forests um, above um, Braemar, which is near um, Durban. And um, the dog gets trapped on the ledge, and a bird of prey called a lamagaya um, eyes it, but the dog scrambles to safety. And then Ella, who is lying on her stomach looking into the ravine, um, sees an insect um, called a hocha, I think, spelled G-O-G-G-A. Um, so you've got this bird of prey, the lamagaya and the hocha, and, you, and this is what you wrote. Um, the lamagaya and the hocha, 
um, both African natives, hardy and unkillable, just the same as she. And the word that really sticks out to me there is unkillable. Um, so you've got these these two um, opposing forces. And I just wondered if you could say something about that word unkillable in the mm. context of truth and reconciliation. Mm. Well, I suppose, I hope this isn't too... I mean, this is just off the top of my head, so not too facile an answer. I suppose... Um, reconciliation is one way of um, surviving of, 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 of moving forward um, into the into in, in time not moving forward as in the sense of getting over the experience but simply moving forward in time to 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 some extent find a way of um, of establishing um, common ground with your enemy is one is is one way of doing that. So, um, and, you know, survival has to do with unkillability, but unkillability also sort of means a sort of a bare life. I mean, that's, I think, what Ella is experiencing there. It's a sort of, you know, um, there's both a sort of a, a triumphal aspect to it, as in it's just sort of, you know, living on, but there's also, of course, a very abject aspect to it, sort of being, you know, at ground level with these, these other creatures, simply, you know, simply surviving um, and it was it was that that I think was was important to capture there that you know, what does it take simply to live on and is that adequate you know because because yeah. I would say that at that point um, in in Ella's experience simply surviving that bare life aspect isn't adequate you know she's she's in, incredibly unhappy mm-hmm. um so so unkillability <laughs> is, is 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 quite a is 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 quite an ambiguous thing there yeah um yeah i'm i'm, I'm i was thinking of this actually in a slightly different aspect when we had the discussion with amanata fauna a couple of weeks ago um where she talked about, um, you know, um, in Freetown, the as it were the perpetrators of the violence of the civil war and the victims, sort of just having to go on living side by side. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That yeah. You have to recognise the unkillability. Mm. Yes, mm. absolutely. Um, so you you said um, earlier that you don't look at your own fiction with a literary critical mm. hat on. Um, you've made your name as a post-colonial literary mm. critic. Um, are you doing different things in your literary critical works than you are in your novels? I think so, yeah. Um, although, having said that, I was very intrigued by our discussion earlier about um, our academic work as a kind of um, as, 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 as a kind of creative process of, of working through or of getting perspective um, and you know, lot, lots of lots of things how, you know, how long have we got lots of things to, to, to say in response to this but it was I think it's, it's partly because I my upbringing was very non-academic and non-scholarly my parents didn't go to university so there was quite a lot of um, sort of antagonism towards ac- academicians as you know my 
my father in particular would would call them if it had to do with you know, rivalries in his own family and poverty and so on. So I think there's something of that. You know, the the very word academic gets my <laughs> but makes my hair stand on end. Um, I'm I'm happier with 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 critic and the work of criticism. I think is you know is, is such is such interesting and creative work. So. I've I've come to the point after after a lot of years of wrestling with this that actually um, the, the the work of criticism and the work of fiction kind they they they're collaborative they work in parallel they sort of get you to the same place um, you know it's it's I used to think that there was something much more true about about fiction you know about the work of fiction but. You know, n no, mm. not no, not really. So, um, I, mean, I do I do worry a, a lot about being um, the the kind of I'm not alone in this being the, the the kind of writer I am doing the different things that I do in in Britain where there's quite um, a sort of a, a bias against the against the novelist who has an academic background or you know, perhaps less so now that there are more creative writing courses in the English department and so on. Mm. It, 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 the picture is changing but up until quite recently, you know, there's or from the other side you'd get, you know, sort of London based novelists saying, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I abandoned my PhD and I was you know, much the better for it. My work was much the better for it. So the you know, I, don't, I don't it wouldn't be the same in, in the Netherlands or France, I don't think. You know, yeah. I, I think the work of fiction is seen as you know proper intellectual labour and 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 critical work is seen as creative. So, yeah, and that's that's where I'd like to. That's those are the definitions I'd like to be. Yeah, yeah, me too. With. Yeah. Um. So just to just to finish, mm -hmm. um, thinking about the countries and the literatures you've um written about, both in um your literary scholarship and um in your fiction, um. Can you um, say a bit about what you think might be the future of commemoration, about how to do mm. commemoration better? Have you got a mm. sense of that? Oh gosh, I wish I wish I had. I wish I had neat sort of answers to this one. Um, obviously, this project and having the privilege of being involved in these discussions uh, has. You know, brought these questions up for me. Um, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a believer in commemoration. I think it's important for people to come together. Mm -hmm. I think that ritual aspect of commemoration is incredibly important. I've, I always, I mentioned it last time, and it came up again. Tessa mentioned it this time. I always w walk away from. You know the ceremonies around the cenotaph here in Oxford, for example, um, with a great sense of being freed up somehow, or having having gone through something with a group of people, which is important and sort of sustains you for the for the next year. I, I do think it's it's very very important that they are temporal, um, sort of ceremonial. Um, ritual-based events. I'm, I don't much 
although I'm very interested in in statues and and crosses and monuments and so on. I don't I don't I'm not much of a visitor of these things myself. Mm. You know, I mm. I've now visited Berlin several times, and I I the Holocaust Memorial that again was mentioned. It's it's in a way very moving, but I'm not quite sure what I should be doing with it. I'd rather go to the Holocaust Museum, yeah. not far away, and walk through the passages and experience the cul-de-sacs and so. On. So, for me, it's much more commemoration is temporal. It is very community building, but I do have a lot of concerns. Again, that came out in a discussion about those who don't feel that they can, you know, that they're invoked by by the yeah. by the ceremony. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm I suppose where my thinking might go for the time being is 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 um which relates also to work on reception reading the reception that I'm doing is you know who feels who feels called and and who feels alienated by by these processes yeah i think that's a really interesting question to mm. end on that idea of who feels called mm. um okay lovely thank you very much and thank you for your, everything you've done for this series thank you